we are going to talk about what I think of as the phases of a project or the phases of like a piece of work. What I'm talking about here is like the experiential phases that you will go through after you get funded, <laughs> after the money comes through, after you get greenlit, after you get the startup, whatever it is, you actually get started on the work. What we're going to do is we're going to walk through for each one of these what I have found to be the common emotions, positive and negative, or you can say even experiences, positive and negative, the vulnerability to have maladaptive action during this part, and what I recommend you do instead. So if it hasn't become obvious, I really suggest like take out a pen and paper, scratch something down, pull up your notes app, like grab something to write this down so you can remember it. And if you choose to share it, please credit your girl. Hello, hello. You are listening to Your Unapologetic Career. Being a woman of color faculty in academic medicine who wants to make a real difference with your career can be tough. Listen, these systems are not built for us, but that doesn't mean we can't make them work for us. In each episode, I'll be taking a deep dive into one core growth strategy so you can gain confidence and effectiveness in pursuing the dream career you worked so hard to achieve. All you have to do is tune in to your unapologetic career with me, your host, Kemi Dole, physician, surgeon, researcher, coach, and career strategist for an always authentic, sometimes a little raw, but unapologetically empowering word. I keep it real for you because I want you to win. So the truth is I get messages all the time from people who are like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is too good. I definitely want to do more. How can I work with you? Like, where is the front door? And so if that's you and you're a woman of color faculty in academic medicine or public health, just keep listening. The question is, are you building the academic career you want or hard at work checking boxes on everyone else's to-do list? A successful career doing the work that you love doesn't mean you have to sacrifice your values, your family, or your joy. Stop trying to be everything to everybody and get to learning the strategies that will 3X your productivity, hone your passions into grant-funded projects, and create the career you worked so hard to achieve. If you have been to every career development or professional development workshop that sounded great, but didn't actually deal with the kind of institutional pressures you face. If you are working hard, but somehow stuck in inefficiency, putting everyone else's priorities first. If you spent years training and sacrificing to become academic faculty, and here you are still working when you don't want to be on the projects you care most about. I'm here to tell you that you can walk away from this institutional mindset forever and take control of your career with clarity and strategy. Every day, I help women of color faculty in academic medicine and public health, like you, reframe and recreate their academic life so that they can channel their ideas, passions, and skills into grant-funded work with institutional support. And that is why this episode is brought to you by Get That Grant, our six-month comprehensive high-performance coaching program for high-achieving, women of color faculty in academic medicine and public health 
who are ready to reclaim career control and secure grant funding doing the work they love. In Get That Grant, we help you kick imposter syndrome to the curb for good so you lead your career with clarity and confidence. We help you learn productivity and strategy skills for grants and papers to maximize your chances of success without wasting your time, abandoning your passion, or working yourself into the ground. We help you build the foundation for an amazing and fulfilling academic career, changing your life and the lives of everyone your work will touch. Yes, this future is possible for you, and it's waiting on you to take the first step. If you are ready for career success without sacrifice, without suffering, then I encourage you to join our waitlist at kemidole.com backslash grant. After you join the waitlist, you will be notified when the next Get That Grant cohort will be enrolling. Your application process will include an in-depth career foundations assessment, helping you identify the gaps in your foundation that are holding you back from enjoying the career you worked so hard to achieve. No more secret worrying that the career you really want isn't really possible. This career assessment will show you exactly where you need to focus to level up your experience and your impact. Join the waitlist today to get in line. Visit kemidole.com backslash grant to sign up. See you soon. Hey, 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 welcome back. I am excited today to be talking about what I'm calling the PI's journey. (laughs) So this is definitely riffing off the idea of like the hero's journey or the heroine's journey. And it comes from actually a recent, I did a recent IG live that was based on a book that I had read. And I'm pretty sure if I think about the cadence of the podcast release schedule, that is actually going to come after this episode, which is fine. It's all good. But I was, I read this great book called Burning Down the House by Maureen Ryan. It's all about Hollywood. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but the point that I came to was about how much of what we've normalized about being a PI or like about PI behavior and or like how faculty members are moving through getting their work done and working with other people and managing other people how so much of that being so poorly executed, we have normalized as like just being a part of being successful or just being a part of being a faculty member or being a PI. And I just, one, I profoundly reject that. (laughs) Um, And I want to point out that one, it leads us to, it leads us to accommodate toxic people because we have a narrative that basically it's required. Like they just, it's worth it that they, they're they just that way. And then it also insidiously creates a, a culture where that that is actually the expectation, is dysfunction is the expectation in the setting of success. So I figured I'd start talking maybe a little bit more about what I think of as the PI's journey, right? If it's the case that we're not really trained on how to even like begin our faculty journey well and how to organize our schedule and how to create boundaries and how to get work done and all that stuff, if that's true, God knows we're not trained on what to do when you actually get funded about how to actually manage a project and execute it well and manage yourself during the time and manage your staff, et cetera. So what I want to do on today's podcast is like open that up, is like start having those kind of conversations. I have been doing this for a while now. We are post four years now of me doing this work. I say we now because we a company, as you know, we got employees, AA, but anyway, it's been over four years now of doing this. And the bottom line is we got a lot of success stories. 
we got a lot of people getting grants, people getting funded, people getting visibility. People are pitching huge endeavors to their institutions and getting greenlit. People are getting huge leadership positions, like people being, are becoming successful. So first and foremost, like this is for y'all. <laughs> this is for y'all who've crossed onto the other side, who again, I never had any worry that you could not be successful. It is just about the tools. So it's really about like, well, what about the other side? What does it look like on the other side of the PI's journey? And I think the other subtitle of this episode is like, things I wish somebody would just have sat down and told me explicitly to my face, like with no, no hand waving, no trying to make it like smoother or no euphemisms, you know, no sarcasm. I wish they had just like sat me down to my face and said, this is it. This is what's going to happen. So this is in service of that idea. So on today's episode of the PI's journey, we are going to talk about what I think of as the phases of a project or the phases of like a piece of work, the phases of the study. And here, what I'm talking about here is like the experiential phases that you will go through when after you get funded, <laughs> after the money comes through, after you get greenlit, after you get the startup, whatever it is, you actually get started on the work. So all the hustling is done and now you just have in front of you doing the actual work. And I wanna walk through what I think are the four very classic, very consistent phases of any project and the emotions that come along with those phases and the pitfalls that can happen to us if we are not aware and prepared and ready for them. So if it hasn't become obvious, I really suggest like take out a pen and paper, scratch something down, pull up your notes app, like grab something to write this down so you can remember it. And if you choose to share it, please credit your girl. Okay, so the way that I think about this in my head is actually like as if you drew a square box and then like just bisected that vertically and horizontally. So you kind of have like a four squares sitting next to each other, right? A box with four sections. That's how I think about it in my head. And the four phases of a project are phase one, top left corner, kicking off, the kickoff, okay? Phase two, top right corner, <laughs> running, right? The actual, the execution. I saw in my box, I have just like running the project, running the study, okay? And then in the bottom left box, phase three, I have apex success. And in the bottom right box, I have sun setting. So the end, the closure, okay? So that's four phases, kicking off, running, apex success, sun setting. What we're gonna do is we're gonna walk through for each one of these, what I have found to be the common emotions, positive and negative, or you can say even experiences, positive and negative, the vulnerability to have maladaptive action during this part, and what I recommend you do instead. All right, let's start with kicking off a project. Ooh, you got funded, girl. Yes, the notice of award comes in. Maybe you put it on Twitter. <laughs> Maybe it got sent out to your department. Maybe you texted it to your friends. Whatever it is, it's like it's come through. It's time. It's ready. It's happening. Here we go. Side note, a lot of the processes in academics like steal this moment from us because of all of the like 
well, maybe it will. Well, we think so. Well, you're above the pay line, but you never know. Well, we're going to send you a notice if it looks like you're going to be funded, but you're not really funded until you hear seven, seven days later. Like, so I just have to say, I hate that about getting grants that they just won't do the like, here it is. You know how like, it's like you get your house renovated or something like on those reno shows and like, they don't let them see anything. And then they just open the door and they're like, here it is. It's like, can we have that moment back? This is why I kind of love the foundations because they'll give you that. They'll give you the like, boom, good news. But all these federal organizations that want to draw out the process, I just want to let y'all know it's, oh, as the children would say, it's mid, eh? okay? That's what it is. It's not really giving. But anyway, side note. So you are ready to go. You're kicking off. And obviously one of the like, I'm going to use positive and negative, you know, do what you will with that. But I would say like one of the positive emotions that comes is excitement, right? Yes, <laughs> like you're excited, it's finally happening. You've hustled for some period of time and there's that excitement. That is like a given, right? But here's the other part of it, terror. <laughs> here's the negative emotion that is like, again, weirdly not explicitly acknowledged, terror, terrified. And some of us who, who like won't identify will like, no, I'm not scared. Anxiety, whatever you want to call it, girl. Terror, anxiety. But there is a like, oh God, you know what I mean? Like, did I really, like, what, what have I done? It's like if you decide to go skydiving and you're like, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's get it, let's get it. And then you actually are like in the plane going up and you're excited, but you're also like, oh shit. <laughs> What have I said I'm going to do? Like they open the door and you're like, oh, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. That feeling. It's very common that both of those feelings are happening, that you are excited and you are terrified. So you don't have to pretend not to be scared. You don't have to pretend that the terror is not there. You don't have to pretend that the anxiety is not there. Because oftentimes what happens is if we pretend that's not there, what will actually happen is that we can't even access our excitement. Like we can't even access it because we're too busy trying to pretend that we're not scared. And so it's like a mess. So people trying to congratulate you, you can barely feel it because you're trying to not be scared. Anyway, especially I find after like the congratulations dies down and it's just like emails about, okay, what's next? Here it is. What are we doing? Whatever. That's when like all that time for the terror really comes up. So if you felt that you're normal and if you haven't know that it's part of the process. So what happens? What is the pitfall that happens in this phase of kicking off when we are experiencing the terror? When you have the anxiety, what we often will do, especially newbies, and what I mean by that, I mean getting to a new level of something. I don't mean like new on faculty. I mean if it's your first grant ever. I mean if it's not your first grant ever, but it's your first like four or five year career development award, or if it's not that, but it's your first RO1, like it's first for you in a level up. You're like, oh, this is my first grant. This is the first seven figure girl that has come through the door for me. Okay. So that is what I mean when I say you're in a new level for your own self. So, so for some of you, it'll be a program award. Okay, it'll be a U grant, but whatever it is. What happens is when, because we feel that terror, because that anxiety is there, the pitfall that happens is that we will over-delegate during the kickoff. We will over-delegate. What I mean by that is not over-delegate tasks. Of course, you know, you need to be able to be delegated because you can't do everything anymore. But we will over-delegate decisions. We will over-delegate decisions, critical decisions that set the course for the whole project that you have no business at all in any way, shape, or form delegating to anybody but you 
as a PI, we will delegate those because we're terrified. And when we're terrified, it's hard to access our confidence. When we're terrified, it's hard to access our courage in, well, I'm not really sure, but this is why I think we should do it this way. So let's do it that way, right? So we will over-delegate these decisions. We will have collaborators. We will have maybe really strong study staff or whatever that we will think, well, they must know more than me. I've never had an R01 before, so let's just go with what you say instead of asking questions. That is the pitfall here. So what I want you to do instead of over-delegating, what I want you to do is lead. Woo! That's what I want you to do. What you need to do during the kickoff period is you need to lead. You need to recognize that this, not getting the grant, not doing the application, not doing all that, this is your moment to lead. You take all those self-leadership skills that you worked on to hold your boundaries and get the grant and write it and all that stuff and put all that together and get the feedback and revise it and all that. And you channel those self-leadership skills outward and you lead. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that you don't solicit input. It doesn't mean that you don't get people's opinions. It doesn't mean that you don't have to go learn about some things or figure some things out, but you ask incisive questions and you do not delegate critical decisions in the kickoff. Instead, you lead. That's phase one. Phase two. Phase two, which we're calling, okay, so now we're in the top right, top right corner of the box. We're calling running, running the study. The study is just up and running. Maybe that's what we should call it, up and running. Okay, that also gives you a little like, a little bounce. I'm bouncing right now, but y'all can't see me. All right, up and running phase. Okay, so I think like the good part the great part, like the positive emotion in the running phase is like, I wrote this emotion down as like all caps, yes. You know, where you're just like, yes, yeah, check that box, moving forward, it's happening. It's like that moment where you finally realize, oh, this is just happening, it is actually happening. Maybe it is the first patient is enrolled if you're like enrolling for a prospective trial. Maybe it is like the data is finally like transferred. If it's like a data use agreement, even like, working on all this time, whatever. But there's that moment where you're like, we are in execution mode. Like the, we are up and running, okay? So that the good feeling, the positive emotion in this phase is that capability, that feeling capable. Yes, it is happening, right? And <laughs> again, the very common, not rare, super normal, other emotion that happens other feeling, other experience in phase two up and running is that you will have problems. Every study will have problems. Again, once again, I wish somebody sat me down, looked me directly in my eye and said, listen, you will not conceive, get funding for and execute a study that will not have problems while it is ongoing. It is going to happen. But because again, we're not really necessarily in that mindset, what happens is problems will arise while it's up and running and the negative emotion that will happen to us is that we will catastrophize. So again, we will yo-yo from feeling, ooh, capable, I'm capable, this is happening, yes, to catastrophizing, it's all terrible. Oh my God, how is this a problem? Oh my God, how is this a problem? Oh my God, how is this a problem? And we will catastrophize and catastrophize and catastrophize. That's when there are problems arising, right? And that is not good <laughs> because once you're catastrophizing, you have usually abdicated your leadership position. So once you are indulging in the emotion of catastrophizing, this is terrible, this is gonna be all that. Once you're doing that, you're not leading anymore. 
if somebody else is leading or usually what's happening is your team has an absence of leadership because you have you are gone in negative daydreaming land. Okay? You are not assuming the leadership position. All right? But how do we lead in this moment? What I want to encourage you to do instead of catastrophizing, abdicating the leadership position and then basically what happens is you you sow in more chaos. You add to whatever the problem was because now you have a problem with no leader. Okay, so instead of doing that, instead, your leadership move is to put the problem in actual context. What does that mean? Get information. Put your CEO hat on and recognize every single study has problems. This is just yours. This is the one that's shown up for you. So you have a choice. You can sit there and be like, oh my God, I can't believe. Or you can go, oh, so this is our problem. So this is the problem that came from this study. And I really mean this in all ways because it's so easy to think so specifically like, no, Kim, you don't understand. This wouldn't have been a problem if this person had just done their job or you don't understand. This wouldn't have been a problem if like, you know, this institutional thing didn't happen and they didn't freeze all of X, Y, Z or you don't. The point is it's always going to show up in a specific way. And I am telling you, you can spend time and energy in like negativity and blaming this person for not doing their job or this person for falling down or this institution for this or this happening. You can spend all your time there or you can put it in context, which is that every study has problems and this is the one that's in front of us. And you know what my job is? To be a problem solver. That is my job. Do you have to do that job alone? No. Should you? Definitely not. But recognizing that that is is now the aspect of leadership I'm in will help you take in the problems, find the information, make cogent, clear, helpful decisions, high quality decisions, and move forward. Okay, that's, that's one of the negative emotions that creates pitfalls that can happen in up and running. The other one that happens in the up and running category, top right box, is you actually, you kind of are in a space where there aren't problems. You're like, okay, you know, like you, you scaled a couple of mountains, you figured out a couple of problems and things are actually working. Woo. It's like you have like three or four meetings in a row with that end and like, yes, excellent. Check box. No comments, no notes, right? You know, 10 out of 10, no notes. It's actually happening. Things are actually going. People are doing their job. Things are getting handled. The study is happening. And you know what happens to us? Don't lie. Let me tell again, I wish somebody had told me this you can get bored. Yes, I said it. No, you don't have to hide. You don't have to pretend. I'm saying it right in, right now, right out loud. You can get bored. The very thing that you want, no problems. I just want everything to go well. And all of a sudden you leave the third meeting where there are no problems and you're like, oh, this is boring, (laughs) right? You might not even say it out loud, but you feel it. And you know what boredom feels like for us high achievers? You know what it feels like? Restlessness. We get restless. We're like, well, and you know, we'll go, we, we think we'll go look for another mountain to climb. We're like, I don't know. Things are fine here. Where else can I go jump out of a plane? <laughs> what other mountain? Where else can I go find some problem, some challenge to have to face, right? We will get restless. Not, we don't necessarily recognize this consciously, but we do this. We get bored. And what can happen, the negative, or I should say the pitfall that can happen is that you will go basically Get into some drama and some stuff that you have no business with just because you're bored. You'll go start something you have no business being a part of. You'll go jump on something you have no business in because you're not aware of that feeling of what that is, right? All of a sudden you'll decide you need to complicate something that's working. 
That's another really common thing that happens here. Everything is working, it's smooth, and the first inclination is complicated. <laughs> okay, so what I want you to do instead, instead is recognize, ah, first of all, just recognize, oh, I think I'm bored. <laughs> Everything's going well. All the enrollment reports look good. Everything's going okay. Oh, I'm bored. You don't have to feel bad about that. You don't have to feel like you did something wrong. You don't have to feel ashamed. It's normal part of the process. But what you can do instead is when you recognize it, I suggest, I can tell you this is what I do. You can do whatever you want. What I do is I intentionally make a plan to enjoy this extra time and energy. I just spent six months battling problem after problem to get this bad boy going. If I just made it through the up and running part or this challenge or this challenge, or I'm in between challenges right now. Thank you, Jesus. I am in between challenges right now. I make a point to be aware of that and say, okay, how am I going to enjoy this extra energy and time that I have right now because there are no fires being put out? And that can look a lot of different ways to different people. So I'm not going to prescribe that. Sometimes that's like, I want to write a commentary. Sometimes there's an intellectual outlet that is ready at that moment because that energy and time is back, right? Maybe it's like, oh, I'm ready. I want to go guest lecture at a class. Maybe I'm more open to doing that because I'm in that place. Or it can be not work at all. It can be, ooh, let me go do this thing outside of work or spend more time and energy in this other area, this thing here, because I want to enjoy this time in between challenge or this time when we're past all of the challenge we're in maintenance phase. That's what I offer is a more intentional and positive use of that restless energy if you have the wonderful, the wonderful blessing of getting bored while your work is going, while the study is up and running. All right, box number three, which is bottom left in our like mental model, is what I call apex success. Okay, so this is like, you are, you know, three-fourths of the way through, right? You're seven-eighths of the way through, whatever it is, but you're at that point where you're like, okay, girls, like, it has happened, we have completed this, like, yes, like, all those positive feelings, you got the results back, whatever you like writing up the paper, like you are in a place where you can really see the success of the work. You are really like, okay, I can see. And you've already, I just want to, well, maybe I should have added this in here, but part of that is actually working through to see the success because oftentimes the success of a study or the success of something you set out isn't what it you thought it would look like. So you have a process as the data comes in, you have a process of actually going through and stepping back and doing exactly what you set out to do, but then actually interpreting. So what actually came out of this? What can we say about this? And I actually find that very intellectually stimulating time because there's always a surprise somewhere. Anyway, so you have gone through that journey. You are aware of where it is. And you're like, this is apex success. This is like, you know, you're ready to present at the national meeting. You're ready to submit to the high impact journal. This is like, yes. Like I've climbed the mountain, I'm at the top of the mountain. And the positive feeling here is like a deep degree of satisfaction, right? It's just super satisfying. It is like, oh, it was many years, but we made it. You know, mama, we made it. It feels so good. But here is the other weird thing. Again, I wish somebody had told me straight to my face is that at the same time, it can feel very tenuous. It can feel very tenuous. It's like you are deeply aware of the ephemeral nature of being at the apex. 
like while you're there and you realize, yes, I have gotten, I've like hit the definition of success with this study. I have worked through, I see exactly what we've got. I'm really excited about it. I'm really proud of it. And then at the same time, there is this, like I'm deeply aware of how transient this particular phase is. And it can have that tenuous feeling like the other shoe is gonna drop, like something's gonna go wrong, like something bad is gonna happen, right? And if you're not aware that that is part of the process, if you don't know that that's normal, oof, there's a lot of unhelpful, maladaptive things that you can do during this time. One, you can literally sabotage yourself. You can get so stuck in perfectionism, you never even submit the paper. You can get so stuck in perfectionism that your presentation is a mess because you can't figure out how to create a story around it because you're so worried about this critique or that or whatever. I mean, like you will create problems that don't exist. Like that energy, that feeling of, of that tenuousness can create, again, this weird way in which you can basically start to sabotage yourself or sabotage the success. So be aware that the ephemeral feeling is normal. And instead of looking for the other shoe to drop or even sometimes creating a shoe to drop, just like creating something, bad to happen. Oh, and I should say another way that this looks, this like, what do I do with this like feeling? It's so ephemeral, it's so ephemeral, is that there's a part of us that doesn't like that so much, especially as high achievers. We're like, we do not like the feeling of like, this is great. I've got to the success point I was looking for, but it's it's gonna be so short. It's gonna be so short that instead of doing that, we will just reject the success phase altogether. We will literally reject the success phase altogether. Like it will be in it and people will be like, this is great. And this is this. And we'll just be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like we'll pretend we'll like dumb it down. So we don't want to feel that we don't want to feel the tenuousness. So we'll just reject the whole thing. So people will come and try to compliment your work and you will not really allow it. It's like the whole thing is like, now you can't take a compliment. People will, will try to approach you with the possibility they see or this and that, and you'll dumb down everything. You'll not want to take any credit for it. Anything you can do to basically try to like reject the experience of the success. Don't do that. Instead, instead, instead. You know, okay, sorry, let me back up. Let me slow down. Let me take a deep breath. This is why I don't want you to do that, especially if you're a woman of color and super especially if you are a black woman within that woman of color spectrum. I don't want you to do that because girl, there are enough people walking around who are happy to burst your bubble of success who are happy to not give you credit, who are happy to overlook you, who are happy to minimize you, that you better not be in that group. <laughs> you better disenroll from that group. You better tear up your membership card from that group. You are the last person who gets to minimize your work, period. Okay, so what I want you to do instead with this feeling of, oh my God, it's not gonna last, is one is like, it's not gonna last, it's true. Okay, newsflash. It's true. It's not going to last. It's just one phase. It's just one phase of the work. So instead, enjoy it. Instead, take a, a purposeful stance of breathing in every moment, of actually being really aware and really present for the conversations, of channeling all of the energy and work and the challenge that came into it all into every line of that paper to make sure you've really honored the work of listening to people as they respond to it and, and parsing out new things that you hadn't thought of, of thinking about other implications of it. Actually breathe in the moment because it is ephemeral, but it does exist. 
It does exist and you get to have access to that. You worked your ass off for it. So slow down and enjoy it and recognize that it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and that is okay. Box number four. Okay, where are we? Bottom right, right? Sun setting. Okay, and then, you know, a project ends, right? (laughs) Like at the end of the day, a project comes to a conclusion, or at least that part of it comes to a conclusion. Depending on where the results come, there might be something else you're already working for to take it forward, maybe not. Maybe it really is like, this is done. It is, this is the end, right? And I think the most common positive emotion that comes during the sunsetting phase is relief. (laughs) It is, it's relief. It's like, that was a lot. It was a lot. We're ready to say goodnight. (laughs) It's been a long day. It's time to go to bed, right? So there's relief and, 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 and there can also be a feeling of regret. There can be a feeling of the what ifs. Oh, it could have been, it could have been that way. 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 And this is assuming everything, like you've really managed yourself, even if you've managed yourself all the way through. That's the thing that I want to really kind of emphasize here is that like, it's not like, oh, if I do the kickoff really well, I won't end, there won't be a feeling of regret at the end. That's not how this works. My point in explaining each of these is to show you these are just part and parcel of the phases of the project. This is just what happens. So you can have that feeling of regret. Everything went great. The question is, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? I want to offer to you that the regret is not coming because something that you just did terribly, you made all the wrong decisions, like somebody else should have led it, blah, blah, blah. The regret is often not coming from this like disastrous place of just shame and guilt and oh my God. The regret is usually coming because of who you are, girl, because you can always see a bigger potential. You can always see what was possible. You can always see, oh, it could have been that, or we could have done that, or we could have done that. All of the regret is, is evidence of your creativity. That's all. Of course, there could have been a multitude of other realities. In fact, it is your ability to look at what's in front of you and think of different ways, think of different realities, think of different possibilities that makes you successful. That is a quality that is excellent. It just means that when something is ending, sometimes that quality can still be turned on and it can turn and it can feel like regret. And so one, again, awareness that that's what that is. And you're like, oh, okay, that's what that is. So what do you not do? You don't make a crazy decision, like not submit the paper just because the results weren't what you thought. Don't do that. I did that once. I still regret that. I don't know why I did that, right? You don't start to minimize the project. You don't try to numb away the regret. You don't pretend it's not there. Instead, what I do, what can help you, and this is not just me. Obviously, these are things we coach on, et cetera, et cetera, but it's like, Instead of indulging almost in regret, I say no. Instead, honor your work. Honor the prior efforts that went through. Honor the fact that it happened. You did do it. And that's how you approach all of the sunsetting tasks. Not as if you're just throwing something out, shut the door, run away, never bother me about this again. No, you take care of it like you would something where you're like, somebody might come back and want to just experience this. You take care of it like a family album. You take care of it like a beautiful, like a souvenir from somewhere. You take care of it like, yes, this is done and we're putting you on the shelf or we're putting you in the closet or you know, you're going in the storage, but we're gonna care for you. We're gonna wrap you up. We're gonna take care of you. We're gonna label you appropriately. We're going to, we're going to not assume that there's no value in this ever. We're gonna recognize, hey, somebody might come by in five years and 10 years and 20 years and open this back up and we want it to be in a, in a kind of, status 
that it could be fully appreciated for all it was. So that's what I mean by honoring the work. Don't let regret lead you to kind of disrespect all of the effort, right? And leave the last note in a very kind of unfinished, thrown away fashion. Number two, you also honor your future. Because sometimes, and this is where I'm really getting to the high achiever. Some other people might be like, what are you even talking about? But like, if we're not careful, we can turn that regret into like going back and like rekindling the whole thing again, like kind of never being able to let go, like never being able to be done, never being able to be like, okay, that was the beginning, middle and the end. Turn out the lights. The show is over, right? Because the regret feels too close to failure, right? Oh, you know how we are. It's just too close to failure. So we're like, uh, how about we just never end? <laughs> so we'll do that. And I say, don't do that. Instead, the leadership move here instead is to honor the future. Is you close it up well, that's how you honor the past work. The way that you honor the future, the potential, is that you actually end. Actually end. It actually comes to an end. Again, there might be next steps. There might be project phase two. I'm not, that is fine. But you actually See an, a beginning, middle, and you close it down. And that's how you honor the future because you're going to need that energy and time for the next endeavor coming through. Those are the four phases of executing a project, especially one that is at a new level that you have never experienced before. These are normal. These are natural. Feeling these this way does not mean you did or did not do anything well or to the best or to whatever. This is just the PI's journey. And now somebody has told you directly to your face. I hope you took notes because you can sit down now and you can look at all the different projects and you can actually, why don't you actually put them where they go right now? What phase are things in? Where are you experiencing both excitement and terror? And what are you doing with that terror? Where are things up and running but challenging? And where are you catastrophizing? Where are you maybe bored and creating all kinds of problems that don't need to be created? What's right now an apex success and how can you take a breath, slow down and enjoy it? Because just because it's ephemeral does not mean it is not fully there and earned for you. Where are you holding on to something that needs to be sunsetted and closed because of avoiding regret, et cetera, et cetera, right? Use this to optimize. And hopefully what you've understood through all of this is that the move always, always, every part, the move to actually have like a quality next step, quality next step of action always starts in leadership, always starts in taking the stance of a leader because that's what you are as a PI, a leader. And you're going to have infinite possibility and infinite opportunity to exercise what leadership looks like at every phase of the process. And I invite you to do it because it's a wonderful personal and professional development journey and our field will be better when people take this part of the work seriously. All right, y'all. That's what I had to share with you today. I would love to hear your thoughts. Please come and find me on Facebook. You can find me on threads. You can find me on Instagram. You can also find me in your inbox if you're signed up for our newsletter, which you definitely should be. You can reply anytime. You can also shoot me an email at podcast at kdolcoach, K-D-O-L-L-C-O-A-C-H dot com with your thoughts. If you think there's a friend or a PI or an aspiring PI who needs to hear this, please share the love, send it around. 
I really want all of us to not just be aware, but to kind of embrace all aspects of what this job really asks of us, because I think it's actually a pretty great job. All right. Take care, y'all. I love you. And I mean it. Thank you so much for listening with me today. I appreciate your time as I know it's so valuable. I hope this episode was helpful to you and I hope you feel energized to go out and claim your unapologetic career. See you soon.